Psalm chapter 119, begin with verse 81, says, My soul longs for your salvation. I hope in your word. My eyes long for your promise. I ask, when will you comfort me? For I have become a wineskin in the smoke, yet I have not forgotten your statutes. How long must your servant endure? When will you judge those who persecute me? The insolent have dug pitfalls for me. They do not live according to your law. All your commandments are sure. They persecute me with falsehood. Help me. They have almost made an end of me on earth, but I have not forsaken your precepts. In your steadfast love, give me life that I may keep the testimonies of your mouth. Wow. That's a rough week right there. That's a rough, that's a rough existence right there. Sounds like your last week, right? Father, we come before You and this morning we, we desire to worship You in spirit and in truth. We desire, Father, for Your name to be lifted up. And Lord, we, we know all, all this stuff, all the stuff that happened this last week, all the trials, all the challenges, all of the reasons to doubt, all the reasons to give up, all the reasons to quit. Father, we get that and You get that, Lord, because Jesus experienced every one of them. So this morning, Father, as we come before You, we're not worshiping a God who does not understand. But we worship a God who is truly our High Priest, who's experienced everything we've experienced and overcame. Father, we thank You that You are the overcoming God, that in You we are more than conquerors, not because of our strength, not because of our might, but because of Your Spirit in us. So this morning, Father, we worship You. We lift up the name of Jesus. And we say that we want all men to be drawn unto You. Father, I pray that our, our worship, our praise will bring You glory and honor in every way. In Jesus' name, Amen. Hallelujah. Father, I thank You that You did not lose that Christ did not lose on the cross, but that You won. In that moment of what was perceived and seemed very much like defeat to everyone who watched, You won. Thank You, Lord God, that You are wiser. That You are all-knowing. That no matter what it looks like, whatever the circumstances look like, that what's really happening in the Spirit is so much bigger. So much bigger. So much bigger than what we see right now. Father, I thank You that there are more with us than against us. Father, I pray that You open our eyes. 
that you open our eyes to see into the spirit world that's that is bigger than what we see right here that is more than we see right here that the answer is closer than what it seems help us to understand spiritually father the situation that we're in and to trust you to find our refuge in you that we don't go by our own understanding but that we trust you and we keep taking that step forward when there seems to be nothing but water in front of us deep water turbulent water but that as we step forward father it is sure sure foundation sure footing thank you for it Lord. thank you Lord God Philippians chapter 4, this is Paul writing to the, to the Philippians, obviously. Chapter 4, verse 10 says, I rejoiced in the Lord greatly that now at length you have received or you have revived your concern for me. You were indeed concerned for me, but you had no opportunity. Not that I am speaking of being in need, for I have learned in whatever situation I am to be content. I know how to be brought low, and I know how to abound. In any, sorry, just sitting there all of a sudden, as I read that verse, I, I got some revelation, and it's like, whoa, got to, got to process that for just a second. We'll get there. We'll keep going. In any, well, let me read it again. I know how to be brought low, and I know how to how to abound in any and every circumstance i have learned the secret of facing plenty and hunger abundance and need wow there's a theme already this morning god's already pulling together a theme see if you can recognize it because we'll talk about it i can do all things through him who strengthens me Yet it was kind of you to share in my trouble. And you Philippians yourselves know that in the beginning of the gospel, when I left Macedonia, no church entered into partnership with me in giving and receiving, except you only. Even in Thessalonica, you sent me help for my needs once and again. Not that I seek a gift, but I seek the fruit that increases to your credit. I have received full payment and more. I am well supplied, having received from Epaphroditus the gifts you sent, a fragrant offering, a sacrifice acceptable and pleasing to God. And my God will supply every need of yours according to His riches and glory in Christ Jesus. To our God and Father be glory forever and ever. Amen.
Now, in those verses, there is a bunch, or at least a couple, of things that people love to quote. My God shall supply all of your needs according to His riches and glory. And I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. And those are great verses to have on your on your refrigerator or or underlined in your Bible and 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 go there a lot or whenever you get into that moment of absolute desperation you go my God shall supply all my needs according to His riches and glory. Or when you're absolutely your back is against the wall and there is no way you're going to succeed and you start quoting I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. But Paul is saying in these verses, he's not just saying this, this is something he's lived. This is something he's lived. Just like Jesus lived his life and he understands what we're going through. There are times when you need to just believe that God is going to supply your needs. But that isn't the real, that isn't the whole of this verse or this section, is it? The whole of this section is being content the whole of this section is to be content when i just said that can you can you feel that almost like like i'm stopping too short like that's where most people stop you know that we in this in those situations we just need to be content But that's not what this is saying. What it's saying is that we need to be content in Christ. That we need to be content in Him. Now, what does the word content mean? Fine, whatever, I guess it's all I'm going to get, so I guess I just have to sit here and take it. Okay, I'll have a good attitude that since I'm not getting anything else... I'll just have to just go with what I got. That's the ones that, that's the definitions that you've ascribed to it. That I've ascribed to it. That's not what he's talking about. That whatever situation I have found myself in, Paul is saying, I am content. Which means, not that, well, I guess I just have to be poor. I'll just be content in being poor. I'll just be content in being sick. I guess it's the lot of life that I've been given. No, it's not what he's saying. What he's saying is, in whatever situation you find yourself, be content in Christ. Which means, where's your supply come from anyway? From Him. Content means, I'm settled. I'm settled. I'm, 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 who said that? Somebody said that. What did you say? It's well with my soul. Which means, whatever the situation looks like, I'm going to trust Him who gives me strength. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. My God shall supply all my needs according to His rich... In Him, in Christ, I have contentment. Meaning, I trust you. When... when this this uh, summer, my daughter and I are going to travel together. We're we're, we're going to leave a, a little bit early when uh, the the youth team goes to to uh, uh, Hungary. We're going to Tally and I. She 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 forced me. And uh, what do you do? It's like it was like that. No, but we're gonna 
we're going to travel early because I've taken Ethan twice now, and I've never taken her. With, you know, so she. No, I'm sorry. I, I tell the whole story now. Now do I have to tell the whole yes. story? No, I'm not going to. All right. <laughs> if you no, no, no. It's just it's just that. Okay, way back, 1999. You want to go way back. Way back, 1999, I was traveling the first time I was ever in Europe, and I uh, we were sitting in, in the Polish uh, uh, tube in the in the uh, subway station underneath the main square of Poland, and everybody else uh, wanted to go touring, but we had all this luggage, so I sat on top of the luggage and watched it for four hours while everybody else toured. I got to be in the the the, the subway station and sitting on luggage. But it was cool because as I was sitting there, I was watching all these kids walk by with backpacks on their back, you know, all the, you know, the thing. And I had always wanted to do that. And I thought that would be so cool to just travel Europe and, you know, do, and I never did it because I made stupid choices with my life. Don't make stupid choices with your life. But I'm sitting there in 1999 and I thought, and, and Ethan had just been born. So it was that, it was like four months, five months after he was born. And I sat there and I, and I made this statement. I actually set a goal. That's why it's important to set a goal, make a statement. I even, I believe I even wrote it down. I said, by the time my kids graduate, they're going to spend at least three trips in Europe. Well, they each have now done at least three. You, this is your fourth. This is your third. This is your third. Ethan's done, I think, three. It was just a goal that I had in my heart. Well, this is Tally's third, so I'm taking, so, I took Ethan to Paris, the last, the, the one of the times, twice. I took him twice. Never. It's enough of our story. It isn't the point. We'll go to therapy this week. I promise. We'll we'll deal with it. I promise. Wow, that isn't the point. The whole point is that my daughter and I are going to Prague for for three days before that trip, and we'll meet up with the trip later. And when we go, have you ever been to Prague? Do you have any idea what to do when we get there? Enjoy it. Yeah. Thank you. You can write my sermons for me. Enjoy it. Why? Because who's taking her? And who's been around Europe a bunch? Even though she doesn't know what's around the next corner, I'm there to hang out with her. I'm the one who's leading. I'm the one. All she has to do is stick with me. And she can have fun. She doesn't have to worry about the food. She doesn't have to worry about the transportation. She doesn't have to worry about the money. She doesn't have to worry about anything. She just is in me. She's just hanging out with me. And as she does that, she can, and she's going to because she knows me, relax. In Christ, He shall supply all of our needs. In Christ, I can do all things. If I gave Tally a ticket right now and said, go to Prague, have a good time, see you next month, it would be a very scary, very uh, one day. Because if you take one day, she'd be back on the plane coming home. So why do we go through our lives thinking we have to, stuck, do, we have to do all this by ourselves? We're in Christ. I know I'm painting a picture of uh, something that that we don't do because we don't do it. But we're going to fill in the blanks. We're going to fill in the blanks. We're doing. I'm, I'm sharing this about offering. Why? Because the vision that God has put before us for the Saint Croix River Valley, built uh, starting churches up and down the valley from from Solon Springs to Prescott. We've started three churches. There will be more. There will be more. It just it is the way it is. It's it's part of who we are. It's our DNA. 
It's how God has designed this. It's not, it's not to make us great. It's to help people. It's to help individuals in every little town, every little burg, every little widening in the road, plumb and poke town. By the time you poke your head in, you're plumb out of it already. Every little area along the St. Croix River Valley where there's people and there either used to be a church and isn't anymore or there's never been a church there. When, when God pours out His Spirit, I mean, with just, there's, there's tons of people getting saved, tons of people getting healed. When all those things are happening, it isn't about us being everywhere. It's about God being everywhere and having places for them to go to that are close to where they live. But all of that, that vision cannot be done without provision. None of that can happen. Building on this, this building is not just about having three more classrooms or four more classrooms. It's about having a place for people to be trained up. For people who have it on their heart to go to X town or Y town or Y burg or Z burg, whatever it is, to go to wherever to be able to have enough Bible knowledge that they can go in, start a Bible study, lead a group, even start a church. It's about training people up. It won't be just for us. There'll be people coming in from other places, being a part of teaching and training on a regular basis. But to do that, somebody, somebody has to step out by faith and obey God to whatever He leads them to do. And right now, we're somebody. We're the somebody. I'm the somebody who's, who's just says, okay, God, I hear what your voice, I hear your voice, I hear what you're saying. We're going to step out by faith and I'm going to say we're building this thing. But then it's each individual saying, okay, God, what's my part? What did you, what are you asking me to do? And doing that, nothing more. And it's up to you, between you and God, whether you do something less. Do what He leads you to do. But if you don't listen, if you don't ask, if you don't inquire, if you don't say, God, what is my part? You'll never know and you won't do it. It's bigger than you think. I don't mean the the amount. It might be. It might be a lot bigger than you think. But the vision is bigger than you think. It's bigger than what we see right now. How many of you would have loved to have been in the Macedonian church Oh, not Macedonia. The Philippian church. How many of you would have loved to have been in the Philippian church to be able to say, when we get to heaven, I was one of the people who helped finance Paul's missionary missions? That'd be amazing, wouldn't it? Not, not in pride, but just to be able to say, oh yeah, I got that one. I got that one in my hat. I got that feather. I helped Paul. I'm not Paul, but one of you could be Paul. Maybe I am Paul. Maybe we're all Pauls. But how would you like to be able, in the grand scoop of eternity, somebody walk up and say, hey, didn't you live in the St. Croix River Valley? We heard about that up here. That was amazing. That great cloud of witnesses who is looking down and watching your life going, oh my goodness, knocked one out of the park. Spiritually. But if we never step up, if we never step out by faith, if we never get outside of our own comfort zone, Anything God calls you to is bigger than you. Anything. Everything is bigger than you. What the, what the Philippian church did for Paul was bigger than them. 
It was not in their own strength. He says, it's not, it's not because of the gift. It's not the money. It's because you stepped out by faith. And when you did, heaven moved. What's God leading you to do? How's God leading you to be a part of this vision? Not just the finances, but even more. Some of you will do things in the next 20 years that will absolutely blow your mind. You would have never thought sitting here right now that you would do them. Because this is bigger than you. Amen? Father, we thank You so much for this opportunity to give. Lord, we thank You that You're bigger than us. And that all we have to do is to ride Your robe tail. We just have to follow You. We just have to do what You tell us to do. Lead us to do. Lord, I pray right now that every person hears Your voice and follows You where You lead. Thank You, Father, for Your anointing on this offering that it meets every need above and beyond our own ability. We thank You for it in Jesus' name. Amen. We have an opportunity. Um, This is even new. Debbie's heard about it, but the rest of the staff hasn't. So, hey, everybody scramble. All right, so... We are, we have an opportunity and I wanted to share it this Sunday, uh, because next Sunday I'm actually going to be, uh, in, uh, up at Grandy, up at, uh, River Valley Christian Church Grandy. It is their seventh anniversary, I think. I think it's their sixth or seventh anniversary. And so, yeah, praise God. It's really neat what's going on up there. And they've asked me to come up and speak. And so Deb and I'll be going up there, right? You're going with me? Katie, can Deb go with me next week? Okay, see, she's unsure. Okay. (laughs) See, that? just take care of things in front of everybody, and it goes a lot smoother. It's just really nice. All right, I'll pay for it later, but, you know, that's okay. (laughs) It came out before I thought, really. I I apologize. Okay. Um, But I'm going to be up there. And one of the things that we've been doing over the last few weeks is uh, God led me uh, after the week devoted to God to start pulling together Pastor Jonah, Pastor Tom, Vern Norton, and myself to get together. And at first we had decided we were going to get together, or what the Lord said to me was to get together once a month to pray. And we started doing that after the week devoted to God was we started to get together once a month. And then Tom, Pastor Tom and I went to a conference uh, two weeks ago or three weeks ago, and as we were driving back from that conference, we were talking and we said, we need to meet together more often. And so we started getting together weekly now and praying for two hours uh, on over uh, right, right before lunch, or actually over lunch uh, most of the time. And uh, we get together, we just pray in the Spirit, we, we, we minister as the Lord leads us to, but specifically we're praying for the St. Croix River Valley. We're, we're praying the vision. We're praying what God puts on our heart, um, what He has on His heart for the St. Croix River Valley. And this week, and if I could share this, Vern, just to, just to go through quick, um, this week as Vern and I were driving up to uh, Grandy, because that's where we, we met the first time here, and then we met at St. Croix Falls, then it was Grandy this last week, and this week it'll be back here. But as we were driving up, Vern said when he woke up that morning, the Holy Spirit spoke to him and gave him a strategy. And that's one of the things I've been praying out for quite some time, because we can know the, the, the will of God, 
But we need to know the strategy. A strategy. Not that, not that it's the only strategy. And I actually, I'm, I know it's not the only strategy, but it is one strategy. He said that the Holy Spirit had, had put on his heart a strategy to start reaching out into our communities. And the more he shared, the more excited I got. Because what it does is it gets a ton of us involved at a very easy level. I mean, it is so easy. It is easier than you could ever imagine. If right now you're thinking about outreach and you're thinking that John, you know, John's going to ask me to be a part of outreach, you're thinking, oh, great. I know I'm busy that weekend because outreach, you know. But this strategy, as he shared it, I just, it was like so exciting because what it does is it actually gets as many people as we possibly can involved and reaching an area with an impact that is bigger than we think. Here comes that verse. That same phrase keeps coming up. It's bigger than we think. So Vern shared it with me. Then we shared it with uh, Pastor Tom and Pastor Jonah. They both got excited. Uh, Pastor Tom shared it with his leadership on Friday night. They got excited. And so next week I'll share with... No, I don't have to do it right now. So what we're going to do is this. What God showed Vern was to get a whole bunch of people, upwards of 50 people plus, go to the town that we're going to do the outreach. Get together, pray together for a little bit, get our strategy, get our, our ducks in a row, and then we all go to a restaurant. When we go to the restaurant... What we do is, is so amazingly spiritual, it's just going to rock you. We're going to have lunch. <laughs> we're going to have lunch. And, and we're going to fill up a little restaurant that doesn't usually get filled up on Saturday afternoons. We're going we're gonna to do it at 1 o'clock. So you'll fast up until 1, and then we'll have lunch together. And we're going to fill the restaurant up, which is already going to be crazy because they're not expecting a lunch rush, rush ahead of time. And then we're just going to fellowship together. And then we're going to leave a tip. Each, each, you know, everybody, oh, here's the, here's the buy-in part. You have to buy your own lunch. Okay? Oh, sure. Yeah. No such thing as a free lunch. But you're going to buy your own lunch. And then as we leave, everybody tips at their own table. As we leave, we also add on top of that tip $200 or more to that waitress, waitress or two. I love this because the whole idea when Vern, when Vern was sharing this, and he he already had seen it, and I heard it, and everybody is like, "Who will be the the biggest mouthpiece in the community for the next two weeks?" Talking about the church in down the road that came in with fifty people when we weren't expecting it, and then gave me a two hundred dollar tip. It seems too unspiritual, doesn't it? But. It's extremely spiritual. Extremely spiritual. Because we're just being a blessing to a community. Being a blessing to a group of people. The owner of that business. The, the, way, the, the staff in that business. We're being a blessing. And while we're there, they don't know it, but we're, we're, we're praying for them. We're bringing the Spirit of God into that place. And we're going to pray a blessing over that. It's not going to be a church service. We're not going to stand up and everybody share your testimony. We're just, you know, one person's going to walk over. Usually, probably the pastor of that church is going to walk over, talk to the owner, thank him for everything, say, hey, can we bless your business right now? And just quietly pray for them, pray for their business. 
I guarantee you it will make an impact. It's so simple. And it's so... You don't, you don't have to share the four spiritual laws. Have them memorized and share them with at least three people that morning. You just show up and have lunch. Now, when we get together, we're going to pray beforehand that God's going to move. And if something were to happen where, where God led you to pray for somebody that you know, either on the way there, on the way home, or in the, whatever, you do that. But it doesn't have to be anything crazy wild and, and, and outside of your over, you know, way outside of your comfort zone. But it is a step one. So, put this on your calendar. You'll see advertisements. We'll have it in the bolts and it'll be on Facebook. It'll be everywhere else. This is March. April 15th, tax day. We're going to go celebrate tax day. <laughs> Saturday, April 15th in Grandy, Minnesota. We're going to meet at their church. We're going to pray for them. Just having the, the people in that church see a bunch of people come from two other churches to be, to help them and to, is going to be a blessing. It's going to be a blessing to them. We'll talk together. We'll pray together. Then we'll go have lunch together and everybody goes home. So you have to be at the, at that church at 11 o'clock, 11 o'clock on Saturday the 15th and you'll be home by three or four. We're calling it a day out. A day out in Grandy, a day out in St. Croix Falls, a day out in Stillwater, wherever it is, it's, we're just, it's very simple as a day out. Hey, it's like a date. Tell your wife it's a date. Okay, where I'm taking you on a date. The wives aren't buying it. All right. But I encourage you, block that day out. We'll have more information as we go along. We'll have maps how to get to Grandy. We'll probably even just let us know how many are going so that I think we probably will have to let the, the restaurant know. But it'll be amazing. Watch what God does. April 15th, being at Grandy at 11, being home shortly afterwards. Amen? Amen. Turn with me to John chapter 15. John chapter 15, beginning with verse 4. John 15, verse 4. says, Abide in me, and I in you. As the branch cannot bear fruit by itself unless it abides in the vine, neither can you unless you abide in me. I am the vine, you are the branches. Whoever abides in me and I in him, he it is that bears much fruit. For apart from me you can do nothing. If anyone does not abide in me, he is thrown away like a branch and withers, and the branches are gathered, thrown into the fire and burned. If you abide in me, and my words abide in you, ask whatever you wish, and it will be done for you. By this my Father is glorified, that you bear much fruit, and so prove to be my disciples." Abide in me, and I in you. At the beginning of the service, I read the, that, the passage out of Psalms like I usually do with Psalms 
119, I believe, starting with verse 80. And I'm actually going to read that again in just a little bit here. But in it, David is having a rough life. He's having some real, real hard struggles. His, his son has turned against him. His, his kingdom is upended. His, his life is in turmoil. People are seeking his life. They're trying to, trying to kill him. I mean, things are out of hand. And yet he keeps saying, in you, in you, I find my hope. In you, I hide. In you. And, and here John is talking, or Jesus is talking in the book of John, where he's talking about, you need to abide in me. Life is rough. Life is hard. Things are not easy. We live in a world that is in a, in a battle, a spiritual battle, and in that there is actual spiritual uh, attacks, also physical attacks, everything. Emotional attacks, everything. We are constantly being barraged. And much of the time we're in turmoil. What am I going to do? How am I going to solve this? Oh my gosh, what are we... Oh my gosh, oh my goodness. And then we throw on top of it expectations you know i've been getting up now for quite a few weeks quite a few maybe even a couple of months almost three months talking about healing and in the midst of it there is different levels or different uh uh, manifestations of healing all the way from healing to nothing and in that there can be all kinds of turmoil why am i not being healed Why hasn't this happened yet? What's going on here? And we can work ourselves into an absolute frenzy. There is an answer. There is a hope. There is a way to do this in in such a way that you not only just survive. All i got to do is get to the end of my life. Which, you you think about that as you just will. Whenever it happens. But, but here's the thing. The Word says that we're supposed to get there victoriously. So that causes angst, doesn't it? If I'm supposed to get there victoriously and I'm not victorious, what's wrong with me? What's happening in my life? Why can't I get this? Why, why doesn't, I mean, and eventually you'll get there if you stay there long enough and you keep meditating that way, you'll wonder, why doesn't God love me? When I believe the reality of it is, we haven't learned how to abide in Him. Abide in Him. Like we were talking in the in the offering, being content in Him. We don't have to face the world's problems by ourselves. We don't have to face the attacks of the devil, attacks of the world, attacks of our health. We don't have to do those things in our own strength. There are more with us than against us. But coming to a place where we actually believe that is the battle. That's where the battle is. Abide. Abide in Me. Abide in Me. And you have, ask anything. He says right there, ask anything. And I'll give it to you. 
So if you've asked anything and you don't have it, what is happening? Oh, sure, you're going, oh, great, put it all back on me again. Sorry, I just have to be honest. He didn't say, I will keep you. Tally, I need your help. I, I'm just sorry. I was, I've been, I've been not going to, I've been not going to use you. And then I just keep, every time I think about it, I, I have to use you. Give Tally a big hand. A lot of us want this to happen. Abide in me, and everything will be just wonderful. See, that's why I didn't pick somebody else, okay? Because this is just going to be weird. Just abide in me. Abide. Abide in me. That's what we want. We want God to just grab us. Hold, sorry. Rearrange, yeah. We want God to grab us, hold us, and to never let us go. If I did that to Tally, what is she thinking right now? Please let me go. When the reality, where's the safest place in this room right now? This is the safest place in the room right now. It really is. Why? Because I'm the second biggest person in the room. But I also know Krav Maga. Hint, hint. Yes, you can sign up for packages on... on. I apologize. It's a, it's, it's a very safe place, but it also isn't the way God does it, is it? No, He says what? He says, follow me. He says, follow me. Stay in me. Stay close to me. So when He moves... And then when he moves, all she has to do is just be aware of where I am and stay with me. Now let me, let me give another example. Thank you, Steve. Right there. Perfect. Stay right there. Mike, could you stand up, please? Can you take, go over, grab Tally's hand, and drag her out the back door, please? <laughs> no, you cannot defend yourself. Okay, good, 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 good. That's good, perfect. Come back, Tally. <laughs> Abide in me, okay? Abide in me. Mike, try to grab Tally and drag her out the room. <laughs> exactly, exactly. <laughs> the, second, it's the, the second biggest, but it is the safest place. It isn't... Her job to stay, it isn't, it isn't God's job to keep you in His arms. It's our job to stay in His presence, to abide in Him. So let's read what, what uh, uh, David wrote again in Psalm 1. Because as I read this this morning, I was just like, man, that is a, it's a perfect example of how to abide in the Father. Psalm 119, verses 81 through 88. My soul longs 
for your salvation. I hope in your word. My eyes long for your promise. I ask, when will you comfort me? For I have become like a wineskin in the smoke. Man, that is such an amazing picture. What, what is happening when, when you take a wineskin and you put it in the smoke over a fire? What happens to that wineskin? It dries out, gets dried out, and it cracks. It becomes useless. He's feeling like he's in the smoke constantly and then everything about him is being dried out. He's, his life is being sucked out of him. Yet, I have not forgotten, forgotten your statutes. How long must your servant endure? When will you judge those who persecute me? The for me. They do not live according to your law. All your commandments are sure. They persecute me with false help, falsehood. Help me. They have almost made an end of me on earth, but I have not forsaken your precepts. In your steadfast love, give me life that I may keep the testimonies of your mouth. Whenever the Bible, in the New Testament at least, uses the word abide, and it actually is translated many many ways. It's also translated remain, tarry, stay with. It's just, it's abide. Abide isn't, isn't a place. Abide is an attitude. Abide is wherever... One goes. If if Tally is going to abide with me everywhere I go, she stays in that sphere of, of protection. She hangs with me. Whenever there is trouble, whenever something happens, it isn't about, oh my gosh, what do I have to do to solve this? Her first thought is, where's dad? Her first desire is, I want to be closer to dad. Her, her first move should be toward him, not away from the problem. The idea of, of, of abide is not where's the problem, but the, the idea of, of abide is where's dad? Where's protection? Where's supply? I'm hungry. I wonder who's going to feed me. No. I'm going to I'm going to the refrigerator at dad's house. There's provision there. The same thing as believers. When we walk through our life, we feel like we have to do this all by ourselves, don't we? Many times we do. I know when I know you're hearing my sermon and you're already understanding what I'm going towards and you're thinking, "No, though I always abide." No, you, we don't. We actually don't abide. When that that smoky wind comes at us, many times it's like, run from the wind! And it's not running from the wind that will save us. It's not anything other than the presence of God. When we have a need, let's get very real, very practical. When you have a financial need, who do you run to? What do you run to? What's the default setting in your software? Many people, it's worry. 
is worry faith. When the doctor says, you have this disease, where is our, what's our default setting? Oh, why did you, why did you forsake me, God? That isn't what it should be. It's, okay. This is what the, this is what the doctor is saying. My hope is in you. My hope is in your word. That's hard. I, I mean, if you've not been in a life, life-threatening situation, we've been in a couple. We've been in a few. I've been in enough to know where to turn my, my, my look. When we've been in situations where it's like, okay, that is a bad diagnosis. My first thought was not, doctors, how can you save us? My first thought was, God, you need, I'm, I need you, God. I need you. We've seen miracles. I've seen, I've seen Deb, Deb's life restored within 20 minutes from when the doctor said, we, we've done everything we can do. If something doesn't change in the next couple of hours, she isn't going to make it. And I just said, God, it's you. I, I can't, there's nothing else here. The doctors can't help her. I can't help her, obviously. All I can, I am trusting in you. And within 20 minutes, her body turned around completely. Does that make me super faith, man? No, I just know where Father is. They diagnosed Ethan with a heart, a hole in his heart. Every specialist we went to said, yep, there's a hole in his heart. We went to the final guy, to the surgeon, the specialist surgeon who's going to do an operation on our two-year-old because of the hole in his heart. And the night before, the week before, we just said, God, this is about you. Because there, there's nothing the doctor, all the specialists have said, this, he won't grow out of it. It's getting worse. It's getting louder. It's, it's what it is. God, this is you. We didn't, we didn't pray any long, drawn out, you know, and have to fast and pray. All we said is, God, we just, we trust you. It's in your hands. You are God. We, ab- we abided in him. We took him in, two years old. The, the specialist listened to us and he goes, well, who told you to bring him to me? And we said, Dr. So-and-so, oh yeah, well, he was the, he was the top pediatrician five or six years in a row in Minnesota, voted by his own peers. He's the one who sent us to you. And he goes, I don't know why, because there's nothing wrong with this kid's heart. Take him home. It wasn't medical science that solved that. It was, it was abiding God. And it wasn't a great faith Statement. It was just knowing, I can't do this. Financial situations. I, why don't I worry? I probably should. I mean, no, I shouldn't. Why should I worry about money? Because I can't make any more money. I just found out they, on, on copy machines that copy everything color, you know, they put little serial numbers of your, of your, uh, copy machine that if you try to print money, they look under a microscope and they see that it came from your machine. <laughs> so don't even try it. I can't print any more money. I can't pick Larry up and ring out another dollar. I can pick you up and ring out another dollar, but not not Larry. But see, your dad is there. You'll abide in him and this won't work. See, it all works that way. Abide in him. What is your first thought? What is your first focus? In reality, very few times... Is it's God my Savior? 
Why? Because we live in this world. And unless you get trained, unless we train ourselves that way, unless we do it and do it and do it, we won't go there. We'll look for other solutions. We'll look for other ways for it to work. And if you then actually start to abide in Him, and then you ask for provision or healing or whatever it may be, and it doesn't happen right away, at what point is it okay to start to panic? <gasps> it's never okay. It's in that moment that you go, okay, I'm going to trust you, God. Not I'm going to trust you and whatever happens, you know, if I die early, it's just it's to your glory. No, no, that's not what the Word says. The Word doesn't say that at all. It doesn't say it anywhere. What it says, what it says is, with long life shall he satisfy you. That's what the word says. And so abide in his word. When you have that opportunity to doubt and to fear, what do you turn to? And it's not just a ritual either. It's not just, okay, I'm in trouble. Oh God, help me today in my need. Please. It's a heart attitude. It's a, it's where do you, where do we run to? Where do we, where are we living already so that when the, when that news does come, we don't have to go anywhere. We're already in him. When that, when that gloomy tale, when that, that fear, when the, when the, <laughs> when the news says something that you just go, oh, why do you go, oh, is it because God didn't know it was going to happen and that, you know, he was surprised and now you're in trouble because, you know, he does, he's running around going, I don't know what to do. I don't know what to do. No, it's because we're not abiding in him. So how do we abide in him? Here's the answer. Did you get it? Because what was I doing right there? Right then and there? I'm just abiding in Him. Being being aware of His presence. Giving Him glory. Looking to Him, God, I don't know how that kid is going to turn out, the one one that's given me trouble this week. I, I don't know. I just... I don't know how I'm supposed to raise that one to be better than... He or she is. I don't know what I'm supposed... Oh, Lord. No. Lord, You love them more than I do. I'm trusting You. I'm trusting that You're going to tell me what to do and when to do it. And I'll do what You tell me to do when You tell me to do it. I'll step out by faith. I'll say what You want me to. I'll ground them if I need to. I'll do whatever. I'll do what You tell me to do. And in that, I'm going to trust You that they're going to be good kids. They're going to be fine, upstanding members of society. God, I know my marriage is really bad right now. It isn't really. I'm just, I'm just using that as an example. Right? <laughs> Lord, but 
I'll do whatever you tell me to do. I don't know how to fix this. I don't know how to fix this relationship right now. But Lord, I, I, I know the answer is not in another self-help book. Unless you tell me to read the self-help book, then I'll do whatever I'm supposed to do. But it's not watching one more soap opera. It's not talking to my neighbor who's having a terrible marriage also and asking what she did or he did. God, I'm just going to abide in You. Lord, I'm trusting You that You're going to give me the answer because You love us more than we love us and and I, I really want this marriage to work. Lord, show me what to do. What? I'm supposed to forgive? I'm supposed to pick up my socks? I'm supposed to serve her? Wait a second, Lord. She's the one. No, abide. Lord, what's your, what's the answer? How do you, how, Lord, how do you want me to walk in this? The word abide, when you study it out, is used these ways. To remain. To sojourn or tarry. To walk with. To not depart. To continue to be present. To be held, kept continuously. In reference to time, which means if when you abide in God, how long do you abide in God? How long are we to spend time in His presence? How much time do you spend in His presence every day? Do you spend the obligatory 15 minutes before you brush your teeth and head off to work? Do you spend the three minutes every time something goes wrong? Oh Lord, help me. Or do you spend time continuously? Paul said to pray without ceasing. Well, how can I do that and be a productive member of society? Trust me, you can. You can walk and pray. And when I mean pray, I'm not saying quoting the, the Lord's Prayer 27 times. I'm just saying being aware of His presence. Listening for His voice. Spending time with Him. Abiding with Him. That even in the good times, when something good is happening, your, your mind is on Him. Lord, where, he, to be in His presence, that's what heaven's going to be like. You're going to be in His presence for eternity. Abiding in Him in, for eternity. 24 hours a day here is just a warm-up. In the middle of the night, in the middle of the night, if you've ever had night terrors, things when you wake up in the night and you're just filled, gripped with fear. Why? Usually because your mind is on that rather than on Him. It's not a magic wand but being in Him. If you're in Him, you won't fill your mind with some things. Yesterday I was, I was reading something and I, I ran across... How many of you know who Rick Renner is? And if you've ever seen his posts on Facebook or whatever, you, you should like him, like his ministry. It's amazing. He had a simple one yesterday and, I, and it was just something that it fit into this. 
And he says, he says, when I was in grade school, in, in church in grade school, we had, a, we had a simple little song. Be careful little eyes what you see. Be careful little eyes what you see. For the Lord up above, what's the rest of it? He is looking down in love. Right. And then he says, be careful little ears what you hear. That's so simple. And ever since I read that, there's some things I, I it'll, you know, that'll, even just statements, somebody will make a statement, right? Or the news will come, you know, I'll, I'll look at the news and go, oh, be careful little ears what you hear. Be careful little eyes what you see. Because it's just, it fills you with fear. Does that mean you shouldn't know what's going on in the world? No, you probably should know what's going on in the world, but just look at the broad brush stuff. Because if you start dwelling on every problem that everyone has in the world, you will find yourself not abiding in Christ very quickly. It is a constant state of of abiding in Him. Being with Him continuously. How much can you be with Him? Be with Him all the time. No matter what you're doing. Doing your hobby. Whatever your hobby is, throw out a hobby. Quilting. When you're quilting, is there any reason that God can't be there quilting with you? None at all. Guys, give me a give me a hobby. <laughs> Buddy, will you share your testimony, please? The testimony from your, your weekend trip and you were walking and what happened, what you found and what you experienced that day. Cause that is, that's it. What you, what, what you shared. Come up real, just real quick. How many of you want to hear about rocks this morning? Yeah. Okay. Wait. That was false excitement. I have not time nobody, nobody but buddy is that excited about rocks, but this is just how easy, how he'll tell you. So I took a, Trip down to uh, Tucson uh, and and uh, New Mexico, right there on the border with Arizona. It's a couple of places I like to go. And uh, I got up that morning and I was doing a little devotional and, and reading something that I'd been reading for a while. And I, I started reading about Emmanuel. And the, it's it's Emmanuel, God with us, right? It's not a name; it's a sentence. Um, and I meditated on Im, Anuel. L is God. Im is with, and I knew it was us, or maybe the other way around. It's Hebrew. Uh, but I was just thinking about that, God with us. And I was like, you know, God, what I'm doing today is I'm going out to one of my favorite places to look for a particular rock that's only found in this one river bed in New Mexico. But I want to go with you. And I got out there and I was meditating on that and a song popped into my head. You're a good, good father. It's who you are. And I am loved by you. It's who I am. And I sang that for hours as I walked up this dry riverbed looking for what had washed out of the mountains and I had a very good trip too. Found about 40 pounds. <laughs> <laughs> Of rocks. <laughs> but it was just a conscious effort 
to spend time with him doing what I was doing. What was in my heart was this, this life that we live, we live by faith. And so many times we apply that to trying to get God to do something for us, right? And what I was reflecting on was this life that I live as a lab manager making products for 3M or as a dad or as a rock collector or as a whatever. I live by faith in the Son of God. He is with me. He's there. He's my righteousness, my sanctification. He is my redemption. And it's God that is connecting me to him. Because it's by God that we are in Christ. It's actually his work. What we have to do is yield to it. When he says, I want you to do this today in the course of your events, like Pastor John was just saying, you just say, yes, I've been trying to, we've been talking about this in youth group for years. Yield. That's all it is. It's just make more of my no's yeses. It truly is the key. The key to whatever is going on in your life is not stuff. The key to what's ever going on in your life is not even a miracle. The miracle is the manifestation of the miracle is not the miracle. The fact that you can spend time in the presence of God is a miracle. That's what salvation, that, that song that we sang right before we began, the, the, what seemed like a loss at the cross was our win. Because the miracle isn't that our sins are forgiven. The miracle is that God loves you so much He wanted to spend time with you. He wants to spend time with you. And not a, I mean, some people, sometimes you have to be diligent and, and, and uh, purposeful. And if, if the Lord says He wants you to be studying, you know, studying His Word on a regular basis, then you need to do whatever that is. That, that is important. Absolutely. Being disciplined and spending a period of time every day in His Word, studying a certain thing. That's important. But even above and beyond that is abiding in Him. Every moment of every day being mindful, or at least you're, you can be mindful. You can be involved with what you do, but the, all of a sudden you're also mindful of Him at the same time. And that takes time to figure it out. That takes practice. Because you'll catch yourself not doing it all the time. And I'm not saying I, I got this thing nailed. I'm, I'm saying I'm getting better at it. But it was something I learned early on. I, I, I used to, I wanted to start to pray an hour every day. That's, somebody told me back when I was young in the Lord, I wanted that to pray an hour every day and just watch what God does. So I tried to make that happen. And it actually just tore apart my, my prayer life because that isn't what God was telling me. What He was saying was stay with me all the time. Abide in me. Live in me. Always aware of His presence. And then there's times when you need to pray. And then maybe maybe there is a time when you need to get away by yourself to discipline yourself to pray for a period of time, but it's only as He leads you to do it. When He, te- when he leads you to do it. 
When, if you need provision, if you need finances, it isn't about sitting down and trying to work the numbers one more time. You do your due diligence, but then you put it before the Lord and say, Lord, I am trusting you that you're going to work this. And I'll do whatever you tell me to do. If you tell me to get another job, I'll get another job. If you tell me to sell the the third motorcycle, sorry guys, I'll sell the third motorcycle. If you're telling me to do nothing and that you're going to do something really amazing, or whatever it is, it's you just do what He leads you to do in that moment instead of going, <gasps> fearing immediately. If you need healing, it, the healing is not the miracle. The healing is a byproduct of spending time in His presence. In Him is healing. In Him. We get it switched around. We want, we want the manifestation first and then I'll praise You, Lord. No. Flip it back around. Spend time in His presence. Be in Him. Make that your focus. For how long? How long do I have to wait before I get the healing? If you're asking that question, then it's going to be longer than you want. Just be in His presence. What are you meditating on? What are you seeking? When you have that, when you're dealing with whatever, it's how much time you spend with Him. Not how much time. Sorry, that sounded like performance. That's not what I'm saying. What I'm saying is, are you spending time with Him? Are you in His presence? One quick testimony. How many of you have read the book uh, Real Faith by Charles Price? A number of you have. There's copies around here. Grab a copy. Find it online. You need to read that book. One of the things that he gave a testimony of was he had been been preaching on faith, laying hands on the sick. People were getting healed all over the place. But there was a woman who was coming who was not getting healed. She wasn't getting healed, wasn't getting healed. Now, this testimony is not about anyone in this room. So if you're thinking, oh, he's telling me, this is about me. Stop it. It's just a general testimony to show you about what it means to be in His presence. He, she kept coming and she finally said to Him, how come I'm not being healed? How come? Why is God mad at me? Why am I not being healed? And He says, it isn't about the healing. It's about Jesus. So she started coming to the meetings not looking for the healing. She came to the meetings starting to spend time in His presence. And the time in His presence went from the hour during service or three hours during service, whatever the service was, to time before and time after. And then it got to be longer and then it got to be longer. And she said, the, 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 he, she came in one day, or they brought her in. She was actually completely uh, paralyzed and, and, and deformed. She was laying on the front row, on the ground on the front row. He says he looked down at her and he looked at her and he went, tonight's the night. And he asked her, what's different? What, and she, she, she said, she goes, I've been spending time, just like you said, I've been spending time in His presence. And it had been a long period of time. It wasn't one day or 30 hours. Or it, was a, it was days and days and days. She said, I've been spending time in His presence. And He showed me some things that, that I had been holding in my heart, that I've been holding back. Now, I'm not talking about anyone here. Don't say I'm using this to give you a message. I'm just saying she spent time in His presence. And she said, last night, I got it. Today's my day. And he looked over and says, rise up and walk. She stood up and walked around. It was that easy. It wasn't she had to work something up. She had to be in his presence. And you don't even have to work at being in his presence. I know we are Americans. We want to figure out how much time do I need to spend until I get the miracle. No, just be in his presence. Put him first. Seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness 
And all these things will be added on. Amen? Let's stand. If you'd like prayer for healing, come on over in these first two rows after we get done praying here and then we'll pray for you. We'd love to pray for anybody that I've talked to or anybody that has it on their heart to pray for people. Please come up and pray with us. Father, help us do this thing. If this was easy, everybody would be doing it. And so Father, I pray for the grace I pray for the grace, Your grace, that will help us to enter into Your rest. Another way that it's said. To enter into Your rest. To enter into Your presence. To abide in You. Help us, Father, to live there. Because we're going to need to. We've always needed to, but we're really going to need to in the future. To trust You implicitly with our with our safety with our provision with our healing with everything that in you is fullness father i pray for your help your mercy in helping us day by day to practice your presence to dwell in you to abide in you help us lord In Jesus' name, amen.